would you sit down and let me add my own welcome uh, to those of, uh, well, here in the building and also to those of you who are at home. Uh, we're going to turn to God's Word in a moment. Uh, and for those of you who are younger uh, at home, you might have your own activities uh, to do now. Uh, Darren might have sent something out for you. So if you're going to do that, now would be a good time to head off, get those things together and do that. And hopefully as we get back together at the end for our final song, you'll, you'll join us as well. Uh, for everyone else, if you've got access to a Bible uh, in front of you, maybe it's an app on, on your phone uh, as well, we're going to have two readings from the Bible this morning. The first one is from Genesis 13, and beginning at verse 5, if you want to turn there. And the second one uh, will be uh, from Matthew 5, as we continue our series that we're going through. Genesis chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse Five. Let me read. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, uh, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now, our second reading is from Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to begin at verse 1. Now, we're going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, let me read from verses 1 uh, through to verse 6. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, do keep that open in front of you, and I'll uh, lead us in a prayer as we come to, to look at this together. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, thank you that your Son has come from heaven, and He has spoken words to us that can bring life, and not just any life, but a blessed life. Uh, please help us uh, this morning as we, we gather together uh, in person here in the building and also uh, at home uh, watching together. Help us to hear your Son's words, to trust them, and to respond with faith and obedience. We ask it in His precious name. Amen. Um, I've been reading, uh, reading a bit of uh, th this book uh, 
by Barry Humphreys, the Australian uh, comedian, famous for his Dame Edna character. Um, it's his autobiography, uh, and he begins by saying this, I always wanted more. I never had enough milk or money or socks or sex or holidays or first editions or solitudes or gramophone records or free meals or real friends or guiltless pleasures or neckties or applause or unquestioning love. Now, he says, of course, I've had more than my fair share, but it always left me with a vague feeling of unfulfillment. Now, where was the rest? Uh, you ever feel like that? I want just a little bit more? Or Steve Jobs, uh, the late founder of Apple Computers, trying to persuade John Scully uh, to leave uh, Pepsi and come and work for him. He, he said to him, apparently, do you want to spend your life making sugared water? Or do you want to come work for Apple and change the world? He also said uh, this, uh, we're here to put a dent in the universe. And you get the idea uh, what these guys are saying. The, the world's out there. And it's just waiting for those ambitious enough who want a bit more. And we might not be in their league, but you can feel the same pull at times. To which Jesus says in verse 5 of this reading from Matthew, here's what he would say, oh, look, if you've got global ambitions, then you'll need to have meekness as your approach. That's what he's saying, isn't it, verse 5? I mean, it catches you so off guard, doesn't it? the last thing you'd expect anyone to say for global ambitions. I mean, parents, honestly, sending your offspring off to university, did you ever sit them down and give them the meekness talk? Did you ever say that to them? Did you ever encourage them towards meekness? Or, or pathfinders, grafties, those in our youth groups, heading into your, your school year, have you ever prayed, Lord, help me to be meek? I mean, it just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But here it is from the, the lips of Jesus. Before we get into it, just a little reminder about these Beatitudes. Michael showed us the other week that there's a structure to each of them, isn't there? They begin with a pronouncement, blessed. It's God's verdict of approval on your life. They, they end with the reason it's blessed. And then in the middle, we're told the life that is being blessed, who is being blessed. And there's also a structure for the whole. Uh, verses 3 to 10, there's eight separate Beatitudes. Eight separate Beatitudes. And you spot as you look at them, at verses 3 and 10, if you've got those in front of you, they come with the same blessing. Uh, the kingdom of heaven belongs to these people. It's almost as if they're like bookends. Uh, they're, they're bookends to all of this. It's a way of saying to us, look, if you're thinking about linking your life up with this God you're thinking about joining your life in with him, if you, if you want to know what it will feel like on the inside, if you want to know what it will be like, have a look inside here, like those children's coloring books. You know the one that, that lines, the shape are already there. It's just waiting for someone to come and color it in. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He, he colors in what's on the inside. Verse 4, it's comfort. Verse 5, an inheritance. Verse 6, fullness. Verse 7, mercy. Verse 8, seeing God. Verse 9, being part of God's family. This is what it's saying. Look, if, if you get in on this life, this is the direction it's going to take you in. You're going to find a place that for whatever tears you've had, there'll be comfort enough for you. 
Whatever things you've got wrong in life and done the wrong thing, there'll be mercy for you. What, whatever doubts, whatever doubts you've had about God, that this is the direction you, you're going in. One day you'll see God and, and not just see him, but you'll be part of his family. You get the picture? Uh, but there's other details here if, if you look. Uh, and it's all to do with timing. Because this is saying to us, look, there's certain things that can be yours now. The, the kingdom of heaven can be yours now, but some of it is not yet. There's more comfort. There's more mercy to come. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit, but not yet. And that means there's going to be a tension in Christian living. There is a now and not yet to it. So, so the Christian life will be lived by faith. We've not got all of what God has promised now, but we trust his promises. And it also means that the, the Christian life will be countercultural. We live in a world that is, well, it's always pushing us to, to grab what you can now, grab health and wealth now, because when it's gone, it's gone. And you'll find that. Again, maybe those of you who've been off at university for the, the first term, you, you come back uh, for the time you were able to have there, and the good things that were there, you come back saying, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but at times, you know, as a Christian, I, I didn't feel like I always fitted in. Now, Jesus would say, that's right. It's meant to happen. It's, it's countercultural. God says, look, there, there is a not yet that is even more significant, even than the pandemic, don't, don't tie everything you've got to this life. And one of the places you see it is verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit. And you hear meekness. Don't know what comes to mind, but you, you could think, look, meekness, it, it's not going to be something for the high achievers, is it? It doesn't sound like that, but good to make sure we understand the word. It's a tricky little word to translate. It, it's sort of, well, it is sort of gentle, and humble, and mild, but not in a passive way. It's more kind of a temperament, a temperament that shapes action. It's going to shape the way you, you live. It, it's not being a wimp, and it's not being just a little sweetheart. As someone once said, some people are just naturally nice and easygoing, but then again, so are some dogs. No, this, this word meekness it's got more bite to it than that. And I, I guess that there's more to it than that. And that, that story in the Old Testament that we read just a few minutes ago has something to it. Abraham and his, his nephew Lot, they're, they're living too close together. Resources are getting short. Decisions got to be made. What are you going to do? And people are getting angry. Who's going to get what? And you know the way it works. The, the Barry Humphreys... And the Steve Jobs of the world, they, they'll tell you, look, grab the best for yourself. You've got to get it while you can. But Abraham steps forward with, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. And then he says, in effect, you choose first. You choose first. You choose the bit you think's best. And where, wherever you go, I'll go the other way. And don't get the wrong idea about Abraham. He's, he's no wimp. In the, the very next story, he's going to be someone who will lead a daring rescue mission. He is a tough man. 
but he is displaying something of, I guess, what Jesus means by this word meek. Don Carson, writing about this, puts it this way. Meekness, meekness is a controlled desire to see the other's interests advance ahead of one's own. It's a deliberate decision to choose the best for someone else. That's what's going on with meekness. Why would you do that? Why, why would you live in that kind of way? I mean, not just with friends and family, those close to you, but as a, as a temperament that shapes the whole way you operate in life. Why, why would you live like that? Well, then you remember what meekness comes after in these Beatitudes. Michael showed us brilliantly last week, if you were around for that, as we looked at it, poverty in spirit, verse 3. When it comes to God's world, the recognition that, that I don't deserve anything. All I can hope for is his kindness. Verse 4, uh, that mourning over the, the consequences and impact of my own sin. And so in verse 5, meekness, meekness carries the reality of those truths into the way I relate to other people. I've no right to demand any more than anyone else because I know that Anything that I'm going to have of lasting value will, will come to me only as a gift from a gracious God if he draws me into his eternal kingdom. That's the only thing I really have at the end of the day. But look, amazingly, Jesus says, the kingdom his people will share in, do you see what it will include? To verse 5, uh, blessed, uh, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. It's fine to be ambitious. It's fine to, to work hard in the world. It's, it's fine to try and get things out of the world. As, as long as you remember, at the end of the day, this isn't our stuff. All the things around us, all the things we make use of, it, it doesn't belong to us. And the one to whom it belongs, he's decided that one day, this is what he's saying, one day he's going to fix it up, wrap it up, and he's going to give it to people. And he says he's going to give it to people who have not lived just grabbing things for themselves, but remembering God and who he is and who they are. They operate meekly. Now, the whole thing will be, well, it will be an inheritance just for them. So if that's true, look, here's a couple of things to be clear on. Here's the first thing. It's God's and not our work that secures real wealth. Now, here's a question for us. So what, what will you achieve in life? Uh, what are the things you, you're really wanting to achieve? Uh, is, is it to generate a good financial portfolio? Or more than that, so how, how will you arrange life to get what you want from, from family, from friends, from work, or even from church? What, what are you going to do to to arrange so you can get what you want out of those things. They're all questions to ask, but there will come a day when that's not the question we'll ask. And no, the question will be, how much can you take with you? And the Apostle Paul put it like this. We brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. The exchange rate from, from this life to the next is not very good. All you will have on that day all you will have on that day is what God gives you. And he says, if you come to Jesus, poor in spirit, trusting him, 
One day he will share everything with you. All of it. And look, if that's true, well, here's the next thing. Don't live life just grabbing for yourself. I used to live in York. I was working with with UCCF, uh, the Christian unions up there in the universities. I lived in a great house, and it was owned owned by a Christian couple who charged embarrassingly low rent. It was one of those sweet moments in life, living in a great house, and it cost me almost nothing. And almost every time a friend or colleague heard about my rent, the reaction was always the same, a complaint about their own rent in comparison to it, except once. Alice uh, was one of the relay workers on our team. Uh, She had to raise her own support for the years that she was doing. She had much less money than me, and she had more rent to pay. But when she heard, her reaction was this. That is brilliant. What great landlords. And I said to her, Alice, look, I I was so surprised by it. I said, Alice, normally when people hear about my rent, they complain about their own. And she said this, and I still remember it. She just looked at me and said, why be envious when God is so generous? And you get what she's saying. And I think she's way beyond me in this. You get what she's saying. My heavenly Father has promised to give me riches. I'm going to inherit the earth. And he has bought me for it with the precious blood of his own son, the Lord Jesus, do you think I'm going to quarrel and complain over peanuts? So Alice responded meekly, preferring to enjoy someone else's temporary blessing without losing sight of her own eternal wealth. And Jesus would say, that's it. That's it. That's the blessed life. That's... That's a life is beginning to understand what it means to be inside my kingdom, that, that God will one day give you everything in Jesus. And even if life's a little tough now, why, why squabble and fight? Why squabble and fight over a patch of grass for the sheep, over who gets the biggest bedroom between brothers and sisters, or, or who has to wash the dishes or pick up the kids, or who gets the vaccine ahead of you? Why are you squabbling over peanuts? When you don't deserve anything... But your heavenly Father has promised you the world. You hear all that and you think, how can we grow like that? How can we we grow in meekness? I don't know about, about you, but I sometimes hear things like this from the Bible and I feel deflated. I mean, I, I hear that kind of way of living, of being meek, and I think I want to be like that, but I'm a million miles away from it. I might be a Christian, but at times I feel like like I've I've barely started on this blessed life. And just thinking about it, I feel exhausted about how much progress I need to make. How can we possibly grow? Do you want to know? I mean, it's good. The way we'll grow is good. It's really good. Let me tell you. Here's how. Jesus will teach you. Jesus will teach you. Later in Matthew, Jesus says this in chapter 11. Let me, let me read it out for you. I think it's going to be on the screen. He, he'll say this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That word gentle in the middle of that, it's the same word meek. Who really is the meek person? Who really is the one who, who always chooses the best and then gives it to others? Who is the one who really acted meekly so that he could win the world as his inheritance? Well, he's wonderful. It's the Lord Jesus, all the way to the cross for you. And growing in meekness, he knows that it would be the best for you, and knowing that would be the best. Do you see what he's chosen even here? He has chosen to teach you. If you'll come and spend time with him, even this morning, whether you, you're here in the building or you're, you're watching at home or watching later, Jesus Christ comes at you meekly saying, I'll choose what's good for you and I'll teach you. In our small groups, um, this term is we, we head into thinking about the generosity project, thinking about generosity maybe during this. You think about it that way. Maybe this will be the way that, that Jesus again comes alongside you. You draw close to him and he teaches you. You learn from him. And maybe you've picked up uh, one of these, these daily Bible reading plans for this year to read through the New Testament and the Psalms. Maybe, maybe you've, you feel like you've fallen behind by a few days already. It doesn't matter. It's not a test or a race to get to the end. It's a way of drawing close to the Lord Jesus. He'll choose to teach you. You'll learn from him. This is how you grow in meekness. Not by working it up yourself. No, he will teach you. You draw close to him and you'll learn from him. And here's, look, here's a second thing to do as you think about it this morning. Encourage how God is already changing you. I was meant to do verse 6 as well. I failed in that. We don't have time for it. But here's a little bit. If you look on to verse 6, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. At righteousness in this part of Matthew's gospel, it seems to be a way of speaking about God's quality of life, the, the moral, ethical beauty of his character, the, the integrity of his justice, the meekness of his grace. And to hunger and thirst for it, it seems to be a way of saying, I want, I've started to long. I've started to long to, to live in a world that's shaped by God's way of life. Actually, I've started to long to, to be the kind of person who's shaped by God's way of life. I want to be meek. Uh, not the way I imagine it, but the way he talks about it in the Bible. I want to be meek. I want to be like him. I've not got it yet, but I, I'm beginning to feel hungry for it. Jesus says, if you've started in any way to, to feel that kind of longing, that's part of what the blessed life looks like now. And one day you will be filled with it. And you will live in a world, you will inherit a world that is filled with it. But in the meantime, encourage that hunger. Spend time with Jesus. Don't squabble over peanuts. Choose the best for someone else. Now, thinking about us as a church family. Hopefully come Easter, this is what we're hoping for, isn't it? We're hoping that come Easter, restrictions will start to ease. 
But I think, you know, honestly, as I've thought about that, I think that could be a hard time for us as a church family. We'll be figuring out, won't we, how to, to run things together again. Some of us will be feeling it's going to be a struggle to come back to the building for all sorts of reasons, although we'll need to do that. We will need to serve one another in ways that we've not needed to for over a year. So it'll be good to pray now that we begin to learn meekness from Jesus. Let me lead us in a prayer before we go on to our next and closing hymn. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, that meekness isn't just something you tell us to attain. It's something you display in yourself. And it's also the way we've been treated by you. And please would you help us to grow in that. And we ask it in your precious name. Amen.